yo, dude, I had this amazing masturbation session with myself this morning. Let me tell you what I did. Let me show you the exact hand angle I was utilizing. The following podcast contains explicit language. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine podcast about sex. I'm sex columnist Maureen O'Connor, and today I am in a warehouse at the Sexual Health Expo in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, I'm here with Dr. Chris Donahue. He is a sex therapist and the author of a book called Sex Outside the Lines, Authentic Sexuality in a Sexually Dysfunctional Culture. Hello. Hey, <laughs> Hi, how Chris. are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if maybe first tell me a little bit about how you became a sex therapist. So the short of it is I was working in the psychology field and I was bored. It's such a traditional, uh, really unevolved field to study. It doesn't move very quickly. And then I fell into the sex world and got trained as a sex therapist. And it's the most dynamic, um, outgoing, always evolving, stimulating field. It's Why is it phenomenal. so much more interesting? Just because sexual it's, mores are changing? You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to work in the sex field, you're inherently radical in some form because you're stepping into a taboo and you're making that your profession, even for you. Mm-hmm. There, I guess there's so. just yeah. something about that. And so people find it more interesting. I'm more fun at dinner parties. <laughs> uh, not always great for dating. It makes some people anxious, but yeah. Yeah. How does, how does it affect your love life? Uh, one of two ways, either no, thank you because you're probably sex obsessed or yes, please, because you're probably really good at what you do. Were you, I mean, are you sex obsessed? Uh, well, I'm sitting in a room full of sex toys. I'm spending my weekend, you know, working with Tanga and trying to change some <laughs> conversations about stuff. So a little bit. Yeah. It's always on my mind. How did you discover sex? Like, were you, do you remember your earliest sexual memory? Oh yeah. I had an older brother. He had a lot of porn magazines around a lot. Uh-huh. And so I think a lot of my early sexual experiences were stumbling upon his magazines and just being so shocked because otherwise you don't have any access to something like that. Do you remember finding it sexy? Like finding it erotic, looking at the pornos? It was shocking. Yeah. I, I, it wasn't erotic because I think to be turned on at times requires a feeling of comfort and calm. Yeah. And I was just shocked. It was jolting because it was something that was so foreign to me. I think the first time I saw a porno magazine, I also had that same that I was like, oh my God, you know, that it was like sort of horrifying oh, in yeah. some way or that like forces you to sort of reconcile like, Jesus, we're really animals, you know, <laughs> that's in there. And then the sense of inadequacy in that, like, am I supposed to do that? How do I do that? You know, is that where I'm supposed to be? Is that what I'm supposed to be talking about? Cause my older brother and his friends were like so immersed in talking about their conquests and, uh-huh. and I just felt so outside of all of that. So, um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you identify as queer? Yes. Well, you do your homework, Tell me, huh? um, no, tell me why, I mean, how, I'm, so queer being, do you mostly date men? Or? Uh, I date all genders. Oh, okay. All genders and all different gendered bodies. Tell me about why the word queer. I feel like right now people use sexual identities as either just a reduction of who they are and it's just about the gender they have sex with. But for me in academia, it's also looking at social and political values and norms. And a lot of the people I spend time with live in the non-normative world Mm -hmm. and they don't really subscribe to gender norms or expectations or sexual orientation labels. And kind of in my first book, the work is, I think, about expanding outside of all that because labels of any kind, race, gender, age, socioeconomic, Mm -hmm. really reduce who you are as a complex person. And also you think, you know, someone, if someone says I'm hetero or I'm gay, you make this assumption like, oh, I understand you. I learned something about you, but you didn't. 
you sort of point out that labels can sort of limit people yes. or confuse them. How important do you think it is to call yourself that versus say bisexual or whatever else? Uh, the reason why I don't use words like bisexual is because I have been with people that have transgendered bodies mm-hmm. and bisexual still maintains that binary of male or female and doesn't allow inclusion of people that don't hit either pole. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there's so much skepticism about male bisexuality in particular? It's just about, I think, comfort with gender, meaning if a female was heterosexually identified, then was with a female partner and then goes back to men, we'll accept that. We'll mm-hmm. let you back. But if a guy is with women and then sucks a dick, you're like, wow, you're gay. We will not let you exit from that. There's there's a male panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's such a fear of homophobia or of homosexuality. The homophobia is so deep that we don't allow people to ever fluidly engage in that and then come back out of it. It's sort of like the one drop rule of sex or something. <laughs> it is. That is well said. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the word queer is an attempt to give a label to something labelless because mm-hmm. we live in a culture where we love labels. We need to figure you out. We have to put you in a box. Psychology is obsessed with it. Diagnostics. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of diagnosing. Mm-hmm. Because it makes this assumption that you are this one thing and people will take that identity and just live through that lens. And I let people know that you can change and grow and shift. Does the research suggest that there is a difference, though, in terms of rates of or levels of attraction to different genders, like rates of bisexuality or queerness? As in a higher incidence in yeah. one gender versus the other? Yes, there's studies. I would say that they're inherently flawed because I don't know that. Well, number one, I don't trust self-report, mm-hmm. right? There's so many flaws yeah. in that. But number two, I don't think a lot of men have permission to even explore some of that to even know if that'd be something that they'd yeah. be able to identify and report. How did how did you explore that and discover? Gosh, such a good question. All through my life, I always had a consistent sexual interest and dating component with women. But then there are times in my life where in New York City and working in the field I work with and work within, I met all different kinds of bodied and gendered and labeled people. And in getting to know them and in being sexual with them and dating them, I started to see that there was such a fluidity and vastness to sexuality mm-hmm. and arousal for myself. Yeah. And I got to learn that sex is an open system where we used to think that you were born one way with one orientation, but I've learned in my own life that things can get folded in and arousal can be directed to new things as we grow and change. And so queerness allows that freedom and that space for that shift. It doesn't keep you trapped. Do you define as queer before you were became a sex therapist? I was not in contact with those labels and those yeah. words. So I guess I lived at times in a state of confusion, uh-huh. not feeling completely at home in any of the different labels or spaces that I'd been told were available to me. And so in becoming a sex therapist, I realized I don't have to choose anything. Yeah. And there's so much freedom in that. But a lot I mean, of people won't accept that. Do you, do you think that that sort of confusion drove you towards this field in any way? I think more importantly for me, I was always a radical and I was always about um, liberation and freedom. And I was always an activist and the sex therapy, sexology field really allowed that and supported that where psychology did not. How does one go about with this sort of folding in process? Like how, I don't know if you can walk me through the sort of the moment of, I can. okay. Uh, I would, for others and for myself, what I would say is, If you're with a partner that you feel safe with, be open to doing things that make you a little anxious sexually. Mm -hmm. Prioritize arousal enough, as I did, where I allowed myself to try things. Mm -hmm. And especially with the field I work in, I wanted to really understand the experience of things because it's one thing to read about it or to talk about it, but it's another thing to really be in it. And so I really made it my job to try everything a couple times. You went method. I went method. (laughs) 
<laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Can you give me a sense of, I don't know, some of the like interesting shit you've Now done? it's getting real. <laughs> so these 10 Tenga sex products. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> it's Fair. way too early in the morning for such questions and I'm blushing. No, I mean, I think, again. I can't believe I made Dr. You, Chris you blush. I know, you really, really did. You really did your homework. This is My the man kind of who, exploded. by the way, hosted, what, Sex Box, which we've yes. talked about on this show before. He hosted a reality show where people fucked in a soundproof box and yet Five I just made him away. blush. You did. I'm you so did, proud did, right now. <laughs> well done. I'm human. The stigma for sex toys for men seems like it's really different than the stigma for women. Why yes. do you think that is? Um, a couple different things. I think for a lot of men, the focus is on their penis and they believe that if you're a man enough, your penis should be sturdy enough and ready enough and available enough to always be sexual. Right. And I think sex toys specifically take away from that. It implies that you need something. Mm -hmm. that what you have isn't enough. And so I think it's tied into that a little bit, but I think male sexuality is something that's not prioritized where I'll talk to a woman and I'll say, what makes you feel sexy? Mm -hmm. And they can tell me what they can wear. They'll tell me how they like to be touched. If you ask a guy how they want to be touched or what they could wear to feel sexy, dumbfounded. It's sort of an all or nothing like conquest. Totally. And I think it's mindset. also not pleasure centric. Interesting. It's performance-based. Mm -hmm. So when they talk about sex, they'll talk about getting something done, being successful, getting their partners off, but it's not ever very self-focused. Well, that's interesting because, I mean, even the words we use to describe sex acts on men are jobs, right? Like a hand job and a blow job. Um, although I'm really committed to using the word hand job for women because I just find the word fingering so gross. <laughs> yeah, because in, in other contexts, you finger through something. I know. Right? That doesn't like, sound very odd. pleasurable or connected. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with that. I mean, I think for me, the bigger issue is also that masturbation is talked about as some secondary, less legitimate uh -huh. act, right? Where the primary is always partnered sex. And I work with some people that are starting to come out and talk more about being maybe more solo sex based, where a female might complain and say, you know, my partner's more concerned and focused on masturbation, less on me. And we're starting to talk about that. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That we don't have to make intercourse and penetration and partnered sex. The like goal and the priority always. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Also, um, it strikes me that sex toys, particularly these sort of like crazy looking swirly, you know, they're not imitating a vagina or an asshole. They're their own right. things. Right. It strikes me that you can sort of do wilder, crazier things with sex when you're not with another human body, right? That, but that These is are like the gift alien of masturbation. Bodies, right? That is the gift of masturbation is that it's not supposed to be the same thing you might do with your partner. Yeah. And, and again, you, you just nailed a really important component of this is that they're not supposed to look like anatomical pieces or structures or, you know, someone else's body parts because it's not supposed to be about partnered sex. Yeah. Right. So it's not about you having sex with a vagina or an anus. It's supposed to be you having sex with yourself for pleasure. And so it's just about you. And so this keeps you in that moment, in that space with yourself. Because if you're using this, you're not thinking about another person. You're just thinking about, does this feel good? <clears throat> well, that's the thing. So I work with a lot of women that are really threatened and our cheating rate is at like 65 or 70%. Not everyone's comfortable. With what does that mean of, of like 65% of people that are coupled right now cheat at some point? Or? Every single person that's in a relationship, yeah. 65 to 70% of them have someone who's currently cheating or has cheated. Okay, so like 65% of couples have someone yes, that yes. has... Which is really high. Of, I mean, is that of monogamous couples? Yes. Or, yeah. wow. Right. 
So I guess that just means that we're all polyamorous on some level, right? <laughs> well, that's a whole nother discussion. Little do they know right? they're in open relationships. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah. You're in an open relationship. You just haven't been told that. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unilateral decision-making, not so fair. But, um, <clears throat> so that's what I think is important about this is that it's not about people getting more comfortable having sex with other people. And it's not about pulling you away from your relationship. It's about pushing you back towards yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Because masturbation is solo sex and also about legitimizing that as something that is yours and yours alone. Cause a lot of times partners try to weigh in and control their partner's soul of sex life. And I tell people you can't do that. That's so insane to me. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you know, we live in a country where people want to yeah. own everything. There's this weird assumption, which I really hate that when you're in a relationship, your entire sexuality is supposed to be subsumed by that person. You know, that we're like, something's wrong if you aren't putting like 100% of your sexual imagination or your sex acts with that person, which is such a burden on anyone. It's a burden. And again, it's a false model that you'll apply to relationship outside of sex as well. Like that's my partner. That's my wife. And Uh so I think sex should be under my ownership and probably a lot of other things in the relationship. And that's why as a sex therapist, I like using sex as a way for people to start to kind of do that work of detachment Mm -hmm. or self ownership and how powerful that you don't need a partner to have sex that you can be married or in a long-term relationship And I don't need you to be included in my sex life, which is one of the most important things that keeps people together. Do you think that that attitude applies to same sex couples the same way that we see like heterosexual couples as like this woman has this one man and that's it? Do you think that that sort of the understanding of solo sex is different when both partners have, I don't know, similar I think so. Yeah. You know, the LGBT communities are definitely the pioneers in sexual relational changes and Mm. evolution. And they're definitely having a lot more open polyamorous style relationships. And the studies that Tanga did, funny enough, the group that uses the most sex toys and owns them is um, bisexual and gay males. Interesting. Yeah. What kinds of sex toys are most common? Like this type of uh, masturbation aid? Yeah, or I mean, masturbation sleeve. Sleeve? What do you call them? Yeah. It's a sleeve. Let's see if we can describe some of these. So this here, we have a swirling white mass that is jiggling a bit. It's like maybe the length of a Coke can, a little bigger than the length of a Coke can. Um, and... There, there. You have to go to the website. Go to the Tango website. I mean, website, it looks like look it's, it's like a beer cozy for your dick. Yeah. Right. That, well, like it's a sleeve. I hadn't heard it like that. The thing about Tanga is that if you're still getting comfortable with masturbation sex toys, which just the mere ownership and purchase of a sex toy is a very radical act for a man, because most men don't prioritize themselves in that way. They'd rather just go jack off really quickly, use their hand. A lot of men don't even use lube. Please use lube. You do not want to decrease the sensitivity of your penis by not using lube in general, but it's a radical act of self-esteem to get a sex product and say sex important. I'm important. uh, That money is well spent. I mean, you also spend your money like taking people out on dates. Isn't that prioritizing sex in yourself? It isn't. It isn't. That's, (laughs) that's boring to me, right? Like that's so boring. That's so obvious. You know, this is, this is a bigger investment in yourself, but more importantly, again, it's also about just getting comfortable with solo sexuality because partnered sex is awesome, but it's not the only legitimate form of sexuality. Right. Yeah. And the more we can talk about masturbation 
is a sign that we're getting culturally healthier about sex in general because masturbation is still the bigger taboo. No one's going to have a problem going to dinner with their boys and saying like, yo, I banged this chick last night. Everyone high fives. But no one sits there and goes, yo, dude, I had this amazing masturbation session with myself this morning. <laughs> Let me tell you what I did. Let me show you the exact hand angle I was utilizing. Like, Why does it make that. us so much more uncomfortable than being like, then I nailed her this way and then I did that? Like, why is it so much more uncomfortable to talk I, about like the position that you use your hand? Well, it's because of embarrassment and fear, right? Mm -hmm. And so Tanga did a phenomenal survey, pretty groundbreaking. It was actually really illuminating to me, mm -hmm. right? And it was talking about how 90% of people lie about masturbating. Lie? Yes. They'll, they'll lie about... Like they say they aren't doing it? They didn't do it? Yeah. 88% Nine... are, right? So almost all of us masturbate. And but almost all of us are saying they don't. Oh, 29% say they don't. Right. Are going to lie about how, why, why, Or where. how much. And that's, that's high. There's no reason to lie about it because it's something that we all do, 88%, mm -hmm. but all should be doing for the reasons we talked about earlier, which yeah. are it's good for your body, it's good for your physiology, it's good for partnered sex. People that don't yeah. masturbate tend to not have great orgasms, especially for women. Mm -hmm. The more women masturbate and the earlier they start masturbating, the more prone they are to be orgasmic with partners as adults. So should we be like instructing children to masturbate? Yes. With the hope? It's the safest form of sex. Yes. And it's getting to learn your body. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that. Yeah. And so a lot of people aren't because why are they lying for embarrassment and fear? They're why, being judged. Why is though, masturbation more embarrassing than sex? It's, it's, it, I don't, I don't know that we actually have a solid answer around that. And, and I think I, I would start to say it's born out of um, our American uh, panic around prioritizing leisure and pleasure. Mm -hmm. like if I say to you, I went to work for 40 hours or 60 hours a week, you're like, oh, you're a hard worker. It makes sense. But if I said I laid around for 40 hours or 60 hours this week and just focused on pleasure and masturbation, leisure time, you're like, you're lazy. Yeah. Right. And, and partnered sex is productive. It's enhancing the relationship. Maybe you're working on your family. Like, why does everything have to be productivity driven? But are we so in the age of that? like self care? No, we're getting there, but we're not fully. Well, we just add masturbation to the self care. I mean, in that you sense, we in that sense, I'm the green juice self care oh, person. That's right? when you're on board that. with that, right? Then you step on board. Okay, <laughs> taking care of yeah, myself. Yeah, then you're in there. I mean, again, think about what if you let's say you're single and you're interested in a guy, and he says to you, "I work." Only about 10 to 20 hours a week because I want the rest of my week to be focused on leisure and pleasure. You're not. Um, I'd be like, let's party. <laughs> That's right. You're in New York. Okay. In LA, we're not so on board with that. <laughs> You'd say, let's party. Break out the booze. That sounds great. Yeah. Most people don't. Most people don't see that. And I think that's what it is, is that masturbation isn't seen as productive, but yet yeah, it is. It's a huge investment. It's an important investment in yourself. What was your last epic masturbation session like? Tango. I'll tell you, I'm not, which, I, which I'm of being these products were you the super egg. I'm obsessed with the eggs. Why? I think because one, okay. So this is literally like an Easter egg. He yes. pulls it apart and then we've got a tiny little rubbery. And in there, it comes with its own inserted lube that you pull out, you utilize. And the reason why I love these is because I'm, I travel a lot. I don't have a lot of downtime. I do want to prioritize things like masturbation. And these are one use and recyclable. That's brilliant for someone like me. You can stick them in your suitcase. I have them all over my suitcase. Mm. They're all over my hotel room. So whoever is going to be going in to take care of my room after I left is going to find these bad boys everywhere. It's like the equivalent <laughs> of ones like there are like condoms strewn everywhere. And you're like, there was an orgy yes. here. You're like, there was a one man orgy in this but room. You find the egg and you know, this man really prioritizes himself. <laughs> and, sexual. and, and I tell you the it's the, the sensation's insane. It's mainly because of the internal structures, all the eggs have different internal structures for different pleasures and feelings and the lubes are all different, but there's something about these. <laughs> I'm obsessed with these and you can buy them in six packs.
Yeah. Give them as gifts. Just, just like a carton of eggs. Yep. Which is what, how they're literally packaged. Yeah, literally. Huh? Get them and gift them. Isn't that our, isn't our slogan? Since you've worked with television and such, I'm wondering if you can tell me what you think about portrayals of sex, like in TV or in mass culture, like who gets it right? And who, <sighs> what are your, what bothers you? Yeah, they're, they're, they're getting it writer. Uh-huh. What bothers me the most, I don't, you know, God bless them. I go back a lot to the bachelor and the bachelorette. Yeah. So as much as people will say and think that they have critical, you know, critical thinking in terms of what they're watching, they don't. Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful things I say to people is if you show me your cell phone and I look at your Instagram and your Twitter and your Facebook, I, I see your psyche. Mm-hmm. You know, social media and television is now probably the most important socializer. It's not family and school anymore, thankfully, in some ways, but also sadly, in some ways, it's now social media and media. And so there are times where as comical as it sounds, I'll work with someone or hear a conversation and I'll think, man, you watched The Bachelor this week. And I, I'm hearing you repeat narratives from that show around what you think love is or sex is. And it's just almost like they're scripting it out of a movie because we're embedding ourselves in these like hetero family monogamy centric anti-sex sexist narratives that are just reinforced on most of these TV shows over and over. Have you um, seen the logos? Oh no, I'm not thinking of the name of it. Let me look it up. You know, the gay bachelor Um, finding Prince charming. Oh, that's actually really funny. Yeah. I could, I have some insight dirt on that show, even though it's still airing. No. um, He ended up with none of them. Cause what? Because he's, he's hanging out with my friend. <laughs> wait, okay, wait. <laughs> you know, it's still Ooh, airing. The this logo is so will good. never use me again for anything, but that's okay because you guys fucked me. <laughs> really? Oh my God, yeah. let's get that. So, <laughs> so Logo is owned by MTV and I did two seasons of a show on Logo called Bad Sex. I, I will always love that show. Mm-hmm. I, I did sex therapy on the show. I think the work was phenomenal. This is me speaking. It was my show, but I also think it was one of the only still is still was the only sex positive show where I was normalizing diversity. It yeah. wasn't a gay show. It wasn't a straight show. It was blended. It was awesome. And MTV took over logo and decided, um, we're going to go all comedy and completely canceled my show. And it was the one powerful show on their network. Yeah. I mean, not that RuPaul isn't doing amazing things, but they just kind of canned it. No explanation. No, no, no really fair reasoning. And, um, I haven't gotten over it. Sorry, MTV. <laughs> I mean, were people watching? Did you? Yes. Ah. Second rated show on the network, which, you know, is big for the network. The numbers aren't that great compared to other things, but um, it was a great show. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, again, I think I, I like th- what I do like about these shows, actually, mm-hmm. any of these dating shows with numbers. I like the idea that it, it it does show dating in the right way, which is you should be dating multiple people at one time. Yeah. But a lot of people don't date their relationship. So Mm -hmm. they meet one person, they only see that one person, which means within a date or two, you're already in a monogamous committed relationship. That's really not how it should go. So like when I date, I date multiple people Yeah. and I'm seeing if any of them are compatible enough with me where I'd want to be in a relationship with them. So these shows mimic that where Mm -hmm. one of them is dating maybe 25 people at one time and really interviewing and exploring and looking for compatibility. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Although the contestants only get to date one person, right? <laughs> but the, 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 How the crippling, the, yeah, very crippling. Uh, also very shaming to watch that happen. They must all be you. masturbating a lot. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> yeah. And at times having sex with each other, I, I don't know if that's folded into the storylines. It should be because you know, if I was on that show, I, I would be wanting to engage with whoever I could. So <laughs> wait, I'm curious in other parts of life, are you a sort of like open and like, let me give it a try as you are about sex. Mm, I'm trying to be. I'm working on that. That is so so interesting to me that you're more sexually free than you are about like food and like, 
Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, and I date a lot of sexual minorities at times. Like I've dated, uh, I've had transgender partners and that's really radical, mm-hmm. you know, calling my mom and explaining that and trying to explain to her what that even means and looks like. How, so, did you, how, how does your <clears throat> family or how do people react? Well, at this point, they're pretty used to anything. When the phone uh-huh. rings, it's like, what now? Are you hosting <laughs> a show where people are having sex in a box again? Or you know, who are you dating? Or yeah, what are you doing? So they're not that shocked anymore by anything. Do you notice a difference in the way people react to you when you're walking down the street with, say, another man versus another woman? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, there's some obvious stigma, but I don't know. I'm just curious how sort of your experience in the world changes based on who's with you. Oh, for sure. You know, again, I live in LA, so it's easiest to be walking down in any capacity, not get a lot of response. Um, I'm sure if I was in the suburbs, (laughs) it'd be a very different experience. I don't know. I don't really think in those terms. I I think I don't pay attention to that so much. I'm pretty confident in the way I run and live my life. Um, I also do some things that might make me recognizable. So I'd probably want to think that they'd seen me on TV. <laughs> That's why they're staring. If someone's staring. Right? Or it's the tattoos. because you're so good looking. Yeah, thank you. I'm so <laughs> handsome. Or maybe the tattoos. I mean, or my shirts are too tight. I don't you're know. You're right. There's there are like any number of things. To look at. Yeah. <laughs> it is true that we sort of like project what we think people are noticing. For sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you think they're noticing your fame. <laughs> I want to believe that these days. <laughs> Are you different when you're with different types of people? For sure. Um, how so? Uh, so my, my theory on life is that we're very relationally driven, created, and we merge from them. And so I'm different depending on who I'm with. I'm different in all my relationships. I'm many uh-huh. people at all different times. Like, I love that concept. We love this idea of like an authentic self. I don't support that. So as authentic as I am in all of my relationships, it's going to change what that looks like based on who I'm relating to. I mean, like, do you feel like, you know, you, you're more feminine in a certain, in certain relationships or, like okay. It's, it's still so binary driven. Um, how can you just, can you describe it though? I mean, I'm just trying to grasp sort uh, of, I'm a very dominant, dominant, assertive person, you know, in mm-hmm. therapy, I've learned to be assertive, not aggressive. So thank you. My therapist <laughs> I used to be aggressive, uh, but I'm very dominant and assertive. And uh-huh. I think the work I do has led to that where if I have to lecture to a couple hundred people or go on television and, 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 uh, be in front of a live studio audience, you really learn how to have big personality and presence. And I think I live that in my whole life. And that's why I've always been an activist. There's always been this, uh, drive to kind of speak up and be vocal, but, um, I don't think anyone who's ever had sex with me or dated me, regardless of their, you know, gender or whatever, would ever use words like quiet, (laughs) simple, gentle. Is is there anything that if you met somebody that you'd be like, absolute deal breaker, never going to date you, never going to touch you? Uh, yeah. People in the nightlife scene. Really? Yeah. Sorry, 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 bartenders. And, um, I, I, I no longer enjoy stuff like that. I lived in New York city for many years and was all wrapped up in that world. And now I like to get up early on the weekends and go right and have coffee and hike and go to exhibits. And- oh my God. That's the exact change that like terrifies me when people move to LA that like all the like New York party it's kids, gone. they go to LA, but I will say once they go to LA, they all get healthy. They start drinking green juice and waking up early yes. and doing yoga. Oh yeah. That's me. Oh my God. And then they come back and they're so much hotter than we are because they're all like buff and in shape and they're so hot, but then they won't party anymore and they won't have fun. And then you're like, well, Well, we just, even like last night, I know even like last night, last night, the night before I'm out here to work with Tenga and we were done at like nine 30, 10. My friend's like, awesome. Let's go grab a drink. Meet us at 11 or 12. And I'm like, I'm going to be in bed. Are you sober or no, I drank a little bit. You just, 
have have it's gone LA, for the healthy it's lifestyle. I wake up and have my raw vegan shake and do some yoga. Is sex better when you're really in shape? I think so. I ask this as a person who's like never in shape. <laughs> it, it, it's I would say this: it, it, sex is better when you feel very confident in your body, whatever uh, that means and looks like. And I mm-hmm. want people to have sex and and confidence at every shape and size. I work with some clients and they'll say, I won't, I won't date or have sex until I get to this point or my body gets that way. And I'm like, no, you need to learn how to fuck now because my body's going to change and always changes and I'm going to age and I want to be confident at all those different phases, you know, mm-hmm. phases and stages. Well, that's it for Sex Lives. So thank you to Dr. Chris Donahue thank for joining you. us. Um, how can people find you if they okay, want to follow um, your Twitter, life? Okay, my Twitter, at Chris Donahue, or my Instagram, at Dr. Donahue. Hit me up. So a reminder, you can always leave us a voicemail at 646-494-3590. And maybe this time, call and tell us about masturbation. How did you discover it? How embarrassing is it or is it not? Um funny fucking stories tell us about when somebody walked in on you or how you deal with masturbation in your relationship so that's 646-494-3590 sex lives is produced by Afim shapiro thanks also to laura mayer and andy bowers at panoply uh thanks for listening and see you next week i go deep (laughs) you really do i was like whoa well I just want to look oh. and see what we put in your bag. Oh, and because you guys were talking about the 3D, I'll give you an idea. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, they're so beautiful. They're good conversations. Well, it's just cool because you're like, why not have sex with like a star? <laughs> right? Yeah.